Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. One of the important things to remember is that people don't worry about their privacy all the time or don't think about their privacy all the time, and they shouldn't have to. But at the same time, when technology violates their privacy, um, then they feel violated because their autonomy is being violated. We've done work on privacy policies, and no one really reads these privacy policies of companies because they're way too long, and the information that you might actually care about is somewhere buried deep in the fine print. So we're looking at what are actually things that, that, people, that are surprising to people, data practices that are surprising to people, so that we can then give them specific warning and information about those practices and couple that with some kind of action they can do. One of the big problems in the United States is that we don't actually have a federal privacy law at this point, which means that there are um, large areas of, of industries and sectors that don't have any privacy protections. Right? There's privacy protection for your health information, for your financial information, a couple of other things, but a lot of what these online companies do is pretty much unregulated to a large extent with the Federal Trade Commission stepping in when things are running out of bounds. But um, what we really need is a more consistent base layer of privacy, which is good for consumers because then they can uh, be sure that their data is not being misused. But it's also actually good for companies as well because they have a clear baseline of what is okay and not okay. We've done research on smart speakers, uh, voice assistants like Alexa or Google Home, and actually voice can reveal a lot about you, right? So when you speak with your smart speaker, it's not just the command you're giving, but it's also at what time are you interacting with that smart speaker? Um, based on your voice, are you male, are you female? Uh, how old might you be? Are there kids crying in the background, right? All of this can reveal lots of information that then companies might be interested in using to um, advertise to you. This interesting research by some of our University of Michigan researchers who've used uh, laser pointers to basically uh, encode uh, voice commands as light pulses and then um, shoot them at uh, the microphone of these kind of smart speakers to automatically activate them. And um, it's important to show um, these types of potential attack scenarios. And, um, this is kind of how can you trick the device in doing something that the, the owner of the device doesn't want the, the device to do. But um, there's also other work that kind of shows what are the inferences that can be made from data. And it's really important to show these potentials for exploitation or misuse of these devices in order to move the needle in terms of security and privacy protections. I think we need to think about how um, information that or information traces that we leave online or through our interactions with mobile apps and smart devices, um, how those might be used to profile us and figure out, oh, what are the personality characteristics of that person or what are their preferences or political leanings and um, realize that companies and some actors are really interested in exploiting this to target specifically to you and not just um, what might be the next chocolate bar you want to buy, but also trying to convince you about a certain political direction and so forth. So I think being a bit more skeptical or a bit more careful in terms of what information traces we leave, thinking about, well, if I install this app that morphs my face into what I might look like in 30 years, uh, that's cool and fun, but what data am I giving away about myself in doing that that then might be used against me at some point? Right? And on, on the other hand, when we, we see information, uh, we should question, is it actually authentic? Um, is it reflecting real facts or is it fabricated? And um, not just believing everything at face value, but maybe 
looking for a second source and using Google and other uh, search engines to just see like, well, what is actually true about this. There are a couple of things we can do to be a bit more conscious about our privacy without putting up our tinfoil hats and, and just saying we don't use any technology. Um, so I'm, I don't have a smart speaker in my home and that's a conscious decision because I'm not comfortable with having a microphone that's always on uh, sitting around in my living room or my bedroom. Other people might be, right? But I think it should be a, um, a conscious trade-off and, and the deliberation, what does it actually mean for my privacy, not just looking at the potential benefits, but also looking at the risks. Um, something else I always do when I install a new app or sign up for a new service or buy a new device, I, the first thing is I look for the privacy settings. Um, are there things that I can opt out of? Um, in the US, the regulatory framework um, means that often everything is activated by default, data collection is activated by default, but you can opt out of certain things. So that could be your uh, contact information being used for marketing or um, information being shared with advertisers um, and doing things like that can be really useful. And then I use uh, an ad blocker to um, really prevent ads from popping up on websites that I go to, but mainly because I don't want those gazillions of tracking companies I have never heard of and have no relationship with keeping track of what I'm reading online. The reason why uh, you see all these big tech companies um, move towards these voice activated devices uh, and making them really cheap is that it lowers the barrier for actually using services and um, making purchases, right? If I don't see the actual price in front of me and I can just tell Alexa to buy something, um, then that's uh, easier, right? For, for companies like Spotify, um, the more speakers they can put in people's homes, that they, I guess the gamble is that they hope that people then use, make more use of the service and then uh, that way stay subscribers. Despite my somewhat pessimistic work, <laughs> I hope to be, an, I try to be an optimist um, in, in the sense that we, we can change things. And I think we're, we're seeing increasing interest by politicians when it comes to thinking about the, the role of technology and how it affects communities and society. We as researchers and as a, a public university, we have a lot to provide and give to the community. So um, when it comes to community engagement, we turn our research around and then uh, go out and offer security trainings, for example, to community members. We've done this, we've done uh, security trainings in Spanish, for example, um, for um, the Latinx community in the area. And doing work like this is really important to me because it goes beyond just publishing the work, but also helping the people who might really benefit from it. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.